Thanks for listening, Unplugged Army. I'm Louis Unga, General Manager at Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. We're proud to present Doug Franz Unplugged. Four minute offense. Four minute offense. Four minutes. Four minute offense. Four minute offense. Everything you need to know in sports that affects Maricopa County, the state of Arizona, and the world, you get in four minutes. We start things off in the Dallas Metroplex. I couldn't remember the city of Arlington. Diamondbacks work out today, then tomorrow, game day. Their second World Series as a franchise. Starting pitching has been announced for game one. Zach Gallen goes for the Diamondbacks. Regular season 17 and 9, 347 whip, 112, excuse me, 347 ERA, 112 whip. Nathan Eovaldi will go for the Rangers. 12 and 5, a little bit of a worse ERA, a little bit of a worse whip. However, the Rangers have won all four of Eovaldi's postseason starts. First pitch tomorrow, 5.03. Quick news around the league, former Diamondback and still current through the, the World Series, manager of the uh, Milwaukee Brewers is Craig Council. He's going to interview with the Mets. Dusty Baker, manager of the Astros, has told Houston he'll retire. Suns are in action tonight, and what's kind of funny about it is that we've only had one game, and there's already heat on the Lakers. Anthony Davis went 0 for 6 from the field in game one, and what was his response? He needs to shoot more. (laughs) Hey, go right ahead. Start tonight. It'll be Suns-Lakers in L.A. with tip-off at 7 o'clock. Let me quickly go around the NBA, because there's some hilarious stories from yesterday. Washington scored 120 points and lost by 23 to Indiana. Porzingis had 30 in the garden, catches he plays for the Celtics, New York lost. The Bulls lost by 20 and had a players only meeting after game one of the year. Webb and Yama had a soft debut, 15 and five. It was Luka that got the attention. He had a 30 point triple double. Mavericks win on the road. And in the debut of DeAndre Ayton as a member of the Portland Trail Blazers, he had four points. The Arizona Cardinals are in action on th- this Sunday, and it'll be game two of the return of Buda Baker. D.C. Nick Rollis, what was it like having Buda back on the field? Honestly, it was refreshing just to have him there and see him suit up with his intensity. They'll take on the Ravens coming up Sunday at 125. Well, still a problem for Arizona State as they prepare for their next opponent, and that is dealing with the low numbers on the offensive line. Head coach Kenny Dillingham. You can't waver from the process, even if people don't understand the why sometimes, right? Even if you're gonna have horrible circumstances in your down 8-0 lineman, that doesn't mean you can just throw everything out the door. After the 29-0, or other than the 29-0 beat down to Fresno State, ASU has an average loss of only eight points. They take on Wazoo, who's coming off their beat down from U of A. Kickoff Saturday in Tempe at 5 o'clock. Well, how about this news from the Pac-12? Oregon State and Washington State have produced documents in their court case against the rest of the Pac-12 showing that Colorado, USC, and UCLA were all kicked off the board, meaning they didn't get to vote anymore. Yet the board didn't do that to every other team. This could easily go Oregon State and Washington State's favor, creating the Pac-2. And finally, 
Manhattan man was trapped inside a massive jewelry safe at the World Diamond Tower in New York while he was going through a safety deposit box when an employee shut the safe door. <laughs> it, they couldn't get it open. They called firefighters and they see the guy on the security camera just walking around. He's sitting there thinking, wait, I'm just trying to look at my jewelry. And they shut him in the safe. Over the course of 10 hours, firefighters cut through 10 feet of concrete. Then they got to reinforce steel and decided they had to blowtorch it. But that wouldn't be safe to the dude inside. So they didn't know what to do when 10 hours later... The safe is on a timer and the door opens. <laughs> Cheers. Jackpot Unplugged Army. I feel like a true commander in chief to be able to give you such an unprecedented savings. Go to unplugged at whirlwind.com and check out the new membership club from Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Whirlwind Plus. Here's what you get. You sign up for a tea time anytime between now and five days from now, and you can save anywhere from a minimum of 30% up to 60% off, plus 15% off at Civlik, the restaurant, and another 15% off in the pro shop. I'm telling you, you walk into the pro shop, get bowls, a shirt, and a hat. You walk over for happy hour with your wife. You might pay for your monthly membership right then and there. It's $34 a month, cancel anytime. Or if you want to save even more, because that equals out to a little more than $400, you can get it for only $299 a year. Whirlwind Plus at Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Go to unpluggedworldwind.com and feel the wind. I'm Janelle, General Manager of Bell's Nashville Kitchen, a.k.a. The Whiskey Wizard. Bell's isn't your typical country bar with mediocre bar food. We are a scratch kitchen with chef-inspired dishes in the only place you can get the best sandwich in all of Arizona, our Nashville hot chicken sandwich. Now, the drinks. I spend days infusing our own whiskey creations. Come in for Whiskey Wednesdays to learn about and drink our famous whiskey selection. We have live music most days and all weekend as part of our honky-tonk brunch. Bell's Nashville Kitchen on Main Street in Old Town Scottsdale. You found home. Down home. Man. It, sometimes it just hits you in the face. Just how enormous our city is. Word of advice. If you have friends that are having a very important retirement party that are dearly important to you and your family, but you live in Goodyear and they live in Gilbert's, maybe you don't go. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Whatever it is that you've decided to make Doug Franz unplugged a part of your day, my family greatly appreciates it. My name is Doug Franz and you have found the only podcast in the world totally devoted to the coverage of the formation sports franchises of one great American city that drops on your phone each and every weekday morning. We also cover ASU, U of A, GCU, the Rattlers, the Rising, and the Merck. This is Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Um, hopefully you can't tell. And hopefully when it gets to be 8 o'clock this morning, you will have no idea. But I am thoroughly exhausted. I mean, it's like, oh my gosh. I, are you kidding me? Is it 8 o'clock? Where's, where's Steve? I mean, it's insane. Uh, 
such a such a great day yesterday great day but it is it's part of the journey of being in the unplugged army and part of the journey of doing what we're doing here and being excited about it and of which i am so this is not complaining but so many things happened to me yesterday that uh uh, man, thank goodness for Jeff Weir production and all, Jeff, that you did to get ready for today's show. Jeff's kind of carrying me today. Um, so yesterday was the, the all-important lunch. Went to 100 Mile Brew, uh, picked up my kid, uh, intern McKenna, and uh, I went to 100 Mile Brew. And then uh, this young man comes, comes walking up, and, uh, and he just sticks his hand out to me and says, Hi, I'm Nick. And I said, Hi, Nick. I'm Doug. And uh, I didn't. I didn't know if I should be Mr. Franz, if I should be Mr. Doug. If I, I just said I'm Doug. And uh, and then uh, he turned and hugged McKenna. And then they sat down on their side of the table, and uh, we just started talking. So I was asking him questions. The young man is a is studying mechanical engineering at ASU, and uh, I. It was funny because they met on a Catholic retreat. So I started asking him questions about the religion and, and and not like grilling him, but just know where where is he at where is he at in his religious life because it's it's really I don't try to dump my religion on you, but I think it's important from a frame of reference standpoint. You know where I'm coming from as you listen, and religion is deeply important to me. And it's kind of a cautious tale because at the same time, I I hope my daughter prioritizes that. But it's also, I, I do acknowledge, it's none of my business whether my daughter wants that in, uh, in, in a boyfriend or in her life or in somebody that she's dating. I just hope that I instilled in her that, you know, I, I think life's better that way. So, uh, and then it's up to her to live her life the way that she sees fit. So, uh, nice lunch, talking just fine. He said he was full and didn't eat. That was shocking to me. Shocking. Um, of course, I sized him up and down, wondering about the gene pool. You know, I, I don't care that they've been on like two dates. You always wondering, okay, what's going to happen to the gene pool here if uh, if this continues? And uh, uh, you know, taller than McKenna, had some height on him, had had a little bit of a chest on him, so that made me feel like all right. But he's not. He, he's he, he doesn't really like sports. He doesn't. He never really played sports. Didn't get into sports. Said he was always taking things apart and building and them back. Uh, like a mechanical engineer would. And you know, I was kind of like, you know, that's great. But, I mean, what are you going to do if somebody throws a 2-0 fastball while you're playing with your mechanics? I mean, are you going to be able to drive it the other way? Are you going to are you pull happy? You know, who are you? And uh, so we didn't – we weren't able to uh, to get into that. So that was a little uh, that was a little heartbreaking. And, you know, I want to know, are you the type of guy that's going to take a charge or not? Um, so we didn't, that, that didn't really come up in the conversation. And then he looked dumbfounded when McKenna and I were talking sports because there was a television on and we were talking about different things. And then when the meal is over, I asked, uh, I said, is there anything else on your mind? And he just says, well, I, I wanted to know, sir, if it's, if it's okay if I date your daughter. <laughs> and I was, I don't know about you. I did not ask Jennifer's parents if I could go out with her. I had... One other reasonably serious girlfriend in my life, and uh, I didn't ask her mother if I could go out with her. And then I had an on-again, off-again relationship with this one woman from like eighth grade until I met Jennifer. And her dad her dad loved me when I was a friend of her brother's and did not want me to have anything to do with his daughter. So I wasn't going to ask them. And all of a sudden now, this 
young man asked me just about dating. Again, this was a marriage. You know, I, I wanted to know if it's okay if I date your daughter. And McKenna, uh, intern McKenna's never had a boyfriend. So uh, I said, I said honestly, uh, I expect you to ask me when it comes time if you want to propose. And there will be a conversation about life when that time happens. And just know that now. However, at this point in both of your lives, I don't think I'm the one qualified to a- answer that question. And I'm going to speak for my wife and say the same thing about her. This is a decision that's 100% McKenna's. And if she chooses to date you, then uh, she has my blessing forever. And uh, that's how I feel about it because we hopefully have raised her the right way to make decisions in her life. And now it's her life on who she dates. So you don't have to ask my permission, but I admit I greatly respect that you did. And that was it. And then we walked out and I shook the kid's hand. And so now I think intern McKenna has a boyfriend. So there's a, it was, it was, I don't know about you. Doesn't that on the one hand jack you up that all the bad stories about kids these days that you get a story like that of somebody that wants to ask dad, can I date your daughter? Just go out. Now, they've already been on two dates, but I, I think he meant seriously and, uh, and, and get into a relationship. And I'm kind of like, hey, if, 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 you think, if you think McKenna's going to get overwhelmed in a relationship like, uh, and uh, hey, you don't know McKenna, that kid, that kid is serious, that kid is driven, and it's like, all right, yeah, I like you, but hey, I got work to do here. Deal with it. And then, and then when this is all over. Uh, the guy's just kind of standing near our car and McKenna's kind of standing there. And, uh, and I said, Hey, am I, am I supposed to take you home now? Or now that you're dating, does he drive you home? And she just says, what do you mean? I got to get home. I got an accounting uh, exam in two hours. Let's go. And she gets in my car. And I was like, all right, there's, that's my kid right there. We don't have a time for all this pump and circumstance of something's just changed in my life. I, I got to work. So I was jacked up about that. So then I go home. I lay down for like 30 minutes, and then it's off from Goodyear to Gilbert. That took me about an hour and 10 minutes for a retirement party for dear friends of mine. Fantastic, fantastic get-together. These people are so important to me. They were the third uh, person, uh, the guy's name is Paul, third person to call me after I got fired. That that close and thinking about me and, and and. just said he'd be here for whatever I do next and uh great friends so that was that was a thrill to be out there and then Jennifer when she got off of work she went straight there as well so I met my wife there so we had a really nice time but then I got home at 11 o'clock and was just wiped out I mean wiped out two two and a half hours of sleep from Tuesday night going into Wednesday and then having that as my Wednesday getting home at 11 I was done and so I did, this doesn't happen very well, I did no work last night, none. Got up a little bit earlier and did some work at home this morning to get ready. But thanks a ton to Jeff Weir Production for uh, getting ready. Uh, before I get rolling, there's a two things you need to know that I just think are hysterical. Number one, you heard me say it in the four-minute offense, Chicago lost by 20 last night at home. So it's the Bulls' first game this year. They had a players-only meeting after the game. I've been doing this a long time, okay? My first ever talk show was 1991, all right? I've never, ever heard of a team having a players-only meeting after game one. <laughs> I, I cannot wait. There's a, there's a longtime shortstop of the White Sox who was kind of a 
crazy manager, but a great shortstop, Ozzie Guillen. Not great in the terms of Hall of Fame. Doesn't deserve to be in the Hall of Fame, but just a... I shouldn't say great then, but a really good shortstop for a long time. And Ozzie Guillen used to say, good teams win, bad teams have meetings. <laughs> and I laugh at that greatly. And that's something that uh, he was talking about. Well, now, every, I, how do I not laugh at that with Chicago already having a, uh, a team meeting after game one? And then... My video, Jeff Weir Production played it yesterday. There's no reason to play it again. But the video of me toasting Milwaukee, L.A., and Philadelphia as as Diamondback victims and opponents in the National League uh, Championship race has it's not. I wouldn't call it viral, but it's now moved into where Dodger fans have gotten a hold of it. So now there's a debate going on with Dodger fans about me. And some guys are like, hey, this dude's funny. And then other Dodger fans are irate because they're really sore about how the Diamondbacks have swept them. And now they're mad that I'm talking trash about an organization that's got 84 wins and rarely beats the Dodgers. So in a small subsect of Dodger fans, I don't want to build it up too big, but it's kind of funny that now my video has become a point of, uh, of conversation. And, uh, and lastly, oh, I guess that's it. Uh, sound credits today. Jeff Weir Production, I think we got azcardinals.com and we went to YouTube for on the Sun Devil Source uh, page for YouTube to get Kenny Dillingham. Is there anything else we got? That's it. Okay, good. I wanted to make sure. All right, let's roll. Doug's Big One. Doug's Big One today is this conversation that is a national conversation about an 84-win team and whether or not the Arizona Diamondbacks belong in the World Series. And I just want to say 100%, of course they do. Because that's what the rules were set up. I'm the one that's never loved the wild card. I think the 162-game test is one where you need it to reward division winners. You need to do everything you can for the division winners. All right, That's what I want in it. When we first originally went to a one-team wild card, I thought that was asinine. Because you took second place. And for the first time, second place became as important as first place. That was stupid to me. Now, after that, they went to a new system of five teams where four would host five in a one-game wild card playoff. Elimination, winner take all. That, to me, was brilliant because you created the NCAA tournament in a baseball game. And everybody whined, oh, it's not fair. We play 162 games and then it's down to one. Listen. That, that, that was such gutless whining at that time frame in baseball's postseason. The reason why it was gutless whining, number one, if you don't like it, win more games and win your division. If you win your division, you weren't in a one-game elimination playoff. And if you hate it that bad, guess what? Just decline and don't go. I'm sure another team below you that didn't make the one-game playoff, team in sixth place, which this year would have been the Diamondbacks, would be glad to say, you know what, okay, if you don't like it, Miami Marlins, we'll go to Philly and we'll play a one-game playoff. That system was fantastic. Then in the pandemic, I kind of get it. 2020, shortened season, let's, ex- let's, let's group the playoffs in a bit larger mess in order to kind of make up for the fact that maybe teams that are taking a while to get together don't make the playoffs. Let's have more teams. Okay, fine. Well, since 2021, they have done this new version 
in which six teams go in from each league and one and two get a bye and then three play six, four plays five, all three games on the road for the team with the lesser seed. Everything was put in place to benefit the other teams and the Arizona Diamondbacks took two of three on the road at Milwaukee, swept the Dodgers. Why does that mean they don't belong now? And the Arizona Diamondbacks were a team that at one point were 16 games above 500. So could not it be argued that the Arizona Diamondbacks in the postseason have just reconnected to who they were? They already proved they were good then. Now there is a stat that blows me out of the water and I want to address it. The Diamondbacks are the first team in baseball history. I stole this from Nick Picoro, so thanks, Nick. That went 7-25 and 25 in any 32-game stretch and still made the postseason. That's never happened. And granted, that has everything to do with the new playoff format. And let's face it, the Diamondbacks weren't even one of the top 12 teams. The Mariners in the American League had a better record than the Diamondbacks did, so the Diamondbacks actually were the 13th best team. But these are the playoffs that baseball set up. And... I have no problem, a logical conversation that says something is broken when the Braves, the Orioles, and the Dodgers were so good in the regular season and they're out in the matter that they were out. Dodgers out in three games. Braves, I think they won. Oh, yeah, they won the game on the crazy uh, double play. Uh, What was it? The 8-5-3 double play. So they won one game, and I think the Orioles won one game, if I'm not mistaken. And that's it. So you have three teams with 100 wins with only two wins in the playoffs versus nine losses, two and nine. It's fair to start talking about and say, that's messed up. There should be a better system. That's true, okay? But that doesn't take away what the Diamondbacks did. The Diamondbacks went into your house, Milwaukee, took two out of three, in which you had plenty of time to get ready. Then go to L.A. and five runs in the first? Five runs in the first. Come on. (laughs) Where where are you whining, Dodger fan? You don't have a gripe anti-Diamondbacks. You could be anti-MLB. I don't have any problem. If you say, MLB, look at the proof of the Orioles, Braves, and us. You've got a bad system. And you can, I get it. I hate you two if you're, you know, not personally, but I hate the Dodgers. And I'm, I get totally you hating the Diamondbacks. That's not the point, though. You can't take away what the Diamondbacks did to you in any way. Swept you. You're done. So fine. You, you have a long break from Sunday to Friday. You're not quite in the first inning and smack. You get punched in the face and you're down 5 nothing. Okay, I get it. But if you're the better team at that moment in time, at some point over the course of 27 innings, you're going to have an opportunity to, to prove it. 27 innings of baseball, and there was never a doubt who the best team was in that series. Never a doubt. That's on the Dodgers. That's, and that's on Dave Roberts. The guy has a history of choking. So how can you say, oh, the Diamondbacks don't deserve it because we won 100 games? No, no, no. Oh. Oh, look at your look in the mirror. Look at your team. All of your angst should be put right on Dave Roberts. If it's not a shortened season, Dave Roberts can't get there. He can't handle the pressure. You got two guys that cannot handle pressure. Dave Roberts and Anthony Davis in LA. 
So you guys can win short season championships. That's fine. Because there's not the fan base. There's not the pressure of the moment. It's a totally different atmosphere. Oh, yeah, now I can handle it. How are they doing when there's actual fans, actual pressure in a postseason? (laughs) You don't see Anthony Davis and Dave Roberts getting the job done in those situations, yet you keep running them out there. That's an L.A. issue. That's not a Diamondbacks issue. And when it happens again in the postseason and the Suns run over Anthony Davis, don't come crying to anybody. The Philly situation, nobody else could win there. The 100-win Braves couldn't win in Philly. Okay? Miami, of course, couldn't win in Philly. The Diamondbacks embarrassed themselves in Game 2. But they won Game 6 and 7 in Philly. How many roadblocks can you put in front of this team before you say, you know what, they belong? They deserve it. Right? 2-1 on the road in Milwaukee. 2-0 2-0 on the road in Dodger Stadium. 2-2 two two on the road in Philly. Now, some quick math. Correct me if I'm wrong, Jeff Weir Production. But quick math tells me that would make the Diamondbacks 6-2. and two, No, 6-3 and three on the road in the postseason. 6-3. and three. Two division winners and one team that knocked off a 100-win division winner that was considered to be the hottest team in baseball, that considered to be the greatest home field advantage ever. The greatest home field advantage ever, the Phillies only went 2-2 two and two in that great home field. So the rest of the country, I'm going to tell you, wake up, okay? Doubting the Diamondbacks is over. And if the Rangers sweep the Diamondbacks, it doesn't eliminate what they've accomplished. The Arizona Diamondbacks 100% belong in the World Series It's not their fault the system is set up this way. You want to talk about changing the system? In retrospect, because of Braves, Baltimore, and Dodgers? Let's have that talk. Quite frankly, I agree with you. I do. I would make it even harder. I would go back to the one-game playoff. Make it even harder. You know, let the division winner decide what they want. The other game is a one-game playoff. The advantage of winning your division. You win the division, you get three games. Or I like the NBA system for the play-in tournament. You get two games to win one. How about that? I'd say the Diamondbacks should have went to Milwaukee, and if the Diamondbacks win two games in Milwaukee, they advance. If Milwaukee wins one game in Milwaukee, Milwaukee advances. That's the advantage of the division winner. But that Marlins-Phillies series, because the Phillies did not win their division, I would make the 4-5 game a single-game playoff. Think about the tremendous advantage my new system that I just came up with sitting here has for the one seed and the two seed. One seed and two seed, you're out of the rat race. You don't have to worry about this at all. You're safe. However, in only two days, that's it. It takes two days. We already know who's next and who's coming. So by Wednesday, you are already playing a game. You only have a couple off days. You would have off Monday and Tuesday. Wednesday, you've got a game in your building and an exhausted team coming in. Why? Because the regular season was that important. It's not hard to fix, but Rob Manford doesn't love baseball enough to actually sit at a table and say, what is best for the history of the game but to create excitement in the present? And I I admit, 
in that system that I just created for you, the Diamondbacks wouldn't be here. The Diamondbacks would have won game one in Milwaukee, would have lost game two. Now Milwaukee gets the only one win that they needed. They would have advanced. And that they would have gone to L.A. to take on the Dodgers. And the Dodgers would have been done playing on Sunday, would have watched game one at home and realized, up, oh, we might be playing the Brewers or the Diamondbacks. Watched game two, up, oh, Brewers won, we're taking on the Brewers. Boom, make the Brewers fly in after the game. Game one is Wednesday. Dodgers get all the advantage in the world. Why? Because they earned it with their 100 wins. This is a great conversation you and I are having, even though you're not saying anything to me. <laughs> but this is a great conversation of if you want to fix the playoffs, if you want to talk about it, great. But quit taking the Diamondbacks' knees out from underneath them. What else do you want? When a team goes 6-3 and three on the road against the best teams the National League has to offer, you know what that is? You know who does that? Who goes 6-3? and three? National League champions. 2023 National League champions go 6-3 and three on the road in the postseason. That's who does it. Diamondbacks have earned this. I actually think they're going to win the World Series. I do. I'm not guaranteeing it. I could easily be wrong. The Rangers' offense is unbelievable, and the offense is much better than the Diamondbacks, and the Diamondbacks' starting pitching has not been consistent enough to where you can bank on it. And the bullpen for the Diamondbacks is the best the postseason has out of all 12 teams. They're fantastic. They weren't that way through most of the season. The seawalled trade after about two weeks of getting everybody settled, maybe a week of getting everybody settled, the bullpen's been fantastic the last three weeks of the year and even more incredible in the postseason. If I'm right that the starting pitching can do enough to hold down the bats and then the bullpen of the Diamondbacks shuts down the Rangers, then I believe there's just enough offense. I believe the offense of the Diamondbacks, I don't think it's great, but it's just good enough to overcome the Texas Rangers pitching. I think the Diamondbacks lose every time Nathan Eovaldi pitches. And I think he pitches twice. I really like the Diamondbacks losing game one, winning game two, taking games three and four, losing game five, and going to Texas and beating the Rangers. I say D-backs in six. Not guaranteeing it, not standing on the table. I stood right here and told you the Diamondbacks are not beating the Brewers. I was wrong. I stood right here and told you the Diamondbacks are going to crush the Dodgers, absolutely annihilate them. That happened. And then I told you the Diamondbacks would put up a nice little fight against the Phillies and it would be over. <laughs> so I admit, my own beloved team, I'm one and two on postseason predictions on them. So to be held accountable, hey, jump on the bandwagon, Doug. Glad you're picking the Diamondbacks now. But I, I think they got this. I, I, think, I think they're going to win. Did you hear what Mad Dog's punishment's going to be? The uh, uh, bikini in New York. Yeah. Yeah, and and walk, and then he said he's going to donate to a, a Diamondbacks charity. Listen, I, I think that stuff, it used to be hilarious. Now, I do like it when I see fantasy football dudes standing on a street corner with a sign, I finished in last place in my fantasy league, and they're wearing some <laughs> wrestling singlet, <laughs> and they're 50 years old, or they're out there in, in some kind of little uh, fairy dress with a little wand, you know? Yeah. And that stuff is funny. But I, I don't think that's enough. I think what should have happened to Mad Dog is if we win the World Series – he should have to host a parade. 
<laughs> I, I mean, he. do you remember, for those of you that watch Game of Thrones, I'm not a good enough remember, like I, I know the series, but I don't remember everybody's names. But whatever the evil queen's name was, sorry I forget, she had to walk down the street naked as punishment. Shame. 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 Yeah. Shame. Which uh, I'll tell you about that in a second because it's kind of funny. But she had to walk down this uh, the street naked. I don't want to see that for Chris Russo, <laughs> but I do think he should have to w- lead the parade. And I think Diamondbacks fans are good enough people that nobody's going to throw anything. But it would be hilarious for everybody. Shame. Shame. <laughs> and, you know, I think that's awesome. I think that's fantastic. Maybe in today's day and age, it's not a good idea because who knows who might throw what? I don't think we're jerks like that. It's not like the New York-Boston rivalry or something like that. I think that would be hysterical. I think that would be hysterical. By the way, lightning quick story on Game of Thrones, which I always find funny. Uh, Amelia Clark, uh, Daenerys Targaryen, she on multiple occasions in, in, in the first year and then on one dramatic occasion was totally naked and she understood that's exactly what that character would have done she sucked it up she did it well the queen lady whatever her name was that went through the shame 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 she had a body double walk naked she didn't do it and the reason why i laugh at that is there were a couple interviews where amelia clark talked about her character and said and i did that I didn't have any body double doing it because I knew that, you know, I've got to feel that rawness and I've got to, and she's talked about it. And I just thought, I never heard women talk trash, talk nudity trash, you know, as if to say, Hey, I did it. I didn't get a body double when we all knew who she was referring to. If you were following the show, but, Oh, I see where you're going with that. Ripping the other actress that didn't want to do it. Okay. Okay. I've, I've always found that entertaining. I, I don't know why nudity trash talk is a thing but i found that uh, entertaining all right diamondbacks without my opinion as much wrapped into it workout day today uh in globe life stadium oh you are you okay god bless you if that was a sneeze um then zach allen for the diamondbacks nathan uvaldi for the rangers uh uvaldi uh above average numbers as a rangers pitcher fantastic numbers postseason wise they have won every game in the postseason of which Eovaldi has pitched, and he does. he's just a very high baseball IQ pitcher. Zach Gallen is as well, but he has not executed his pitches to the same level as 2022 throughout the season and certainly hasn't in the postseason. I think it was innings two through six in Milwaukee. He was fantastic. But other than that, he's been pretty average, and in that one game against Philadelphia, highly below average to, to just plain bad. So this is a huge moment. I mean, if, if there's any chance that I'm wrong about game one, and I certainly hope I am, and the Diamondbacks win game one, man, that, that is huge. Because what else are the – I don't think the Rangers are going to be able to just jump right back and, and do something else that's going to be awe-inspiring or intimidating in any way, uh, pitching-wise. So I, and listen, I'm not trying to make it out to be like the Rangers are a bunch of slouches, okay? They've got good pitchers, but uh, Montgomery is fantastic. But I, I like the matchup for the Diamondbacks against the rest of, of their teams to be able to, uh, for the Diamondbacks to get a win. So if they can take game one tomorrow night, that's even bigger. I'll go deeper uh, on that tomorrow. All right, coming up next. 
Let's talk some hardcore uh, football. We haven't talked about the Cardinals much this week and some interesting comments from both the head coach and his defensive coordinator. We're going to get into all of that coming up next. Thanks a lot for waking up with me. My name is Doug Franz. I appreciate you watching on WTSMTV.com or listening to the podcast, Doug Franz Unplugged. We're presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. You can't waver from the process, even if people don't understand the why sometimes, right? Even if you're going to have horrible circumstances and you're down 8 linemen. That doesn't mean you can just throw everything out the door. It's hot. We've had a pretty hot summer here in Arizona. Who can you trust with your air conditioning? There's only one place my family has ever trusted in Arizona, and that's Parker and Sons Heating, Cooling, Plumbing, and Electrical. Call 602 to repair. That's 602, the number two, then R-E-P-A-I-R for Parker and Sons. And the reason why I suggest them to you as passionately as I possibly can is I know they've showed up on time to my home every time and they've gotten it right the first time every time and they've treated me fairly every time. What else can you say? Plus, they don't charge anything for nights, weekends, emergencies, That means something because when your air conditioner goes out in the summer in Arizona, that's an emergency. You need repairs fast and you can trust Parker and Sons. How do I know? Because my family does. 6022 repair. That's 602, the number two, then R-E-P-A-I-R for Parker and Sons. Rosati Sports Pub in Chandler. It's on Ray and McQueen. Sounds like a sports bar. What's the difference? You walk in and they actually have games on TV with the sound on. How many times do you walk into a supposed sports bar and they've got loud music on or somebody playing live or some kind of trivia game going on and you're there to watch the game? If you're like me, a simple guy, give me my pizza, give me my wings, give me my cold beer and make sure I can hear the Suns and D-backs, then you want Rosati Sports Pub and Chandler. All members of the Unplugged Army, welcome. Rosati Sports Pub, give me the game. It's just waiting for something to come out of my mouth and nothing did. Hey, hi. Hopefully I'm going to be start being entertaining at, uh, at some point. Thanks for being a member of the Unplugged Army and, uh, and sticking with me through the ups and downs and, uh, and, and, and creating this atmosphere. Just so happy to have you as a, as a viewer here on WTSMTV.com. I forgot to tell you, and I haven't talked about this in a little bit, um, coming up next week, is where the price format changes for everybody that's a WTSM viewer. So it used to be watch anything you want on demand for free, pay for live, pay a little bit more to get live and win prizes. Now it's going to be watch all of the short clips or newsish features. Like if you haven't been to the site, Izzy does an incredible job of going to Suns games, going to Mercury games and creating packages so you can get more in-depth information on on a team that you want. So that's still going to be free. However, the basic level is going to be a small charge if you want to watch stuff on demand. So even to watch the replay is going to cost a little bit. Then there's a live payment if you want to watch stuff live, which is me 6 to 8, then Steve McCollum uh, on the main event from 8 to 10, Izzy on sports from 10 to noon, and we have other shows as we grow, Hanging with Coop, which is on every Tuesday at noon, and secretly between you and I, we're hoping to talk Coop into doing 
more because we just love having him. And uh, and then the organic football show, which is every Tuesday at 1 o'clock. And then it is also Sunday, and this will be the last Sunday that they are on at 9 o'clock. The reason why is they're always on an hour before Sunday morning's first games. Well, after this weekend, Sunday morning first game starts at 11 instead of 10. So that pushes them up from 9 to 10. So 9 o'clock this Sunday, 10 o'clock next Sunday for the Organic Football Podcast, the Organic Football Show. So with all of that going on, I I feel it in in my soul – I told you when we first moved to WTSM, you as the Unplugged Army, I knew it was a major change, and I, I, I needed you to come with me. And it was tough because you think about it, I came on, started doing the podcast, and it dropped on your phone by 5.30 or 6 every morning, so you were able to listen just like you were used to listening to me to the old show. Then when I came over here to WTSM, it got a little tougher. You needed to watch from 6 to 8, but I promised you, Though I'll put the podcast up for free. If you just give me till like 9, 9.30, I'll have the podcast up. You'll be able to listen to it for free. Okay, that's great. That's fair. That's part of the deal of me coming over. I felt bad that that deal was changing, that you could also watch the podcast for free as long as it wasn't live. That's what I told you was going to happen. So CEO Chris was really cool to me and gave me a special code, and that code is Unplugged Upgrade. And so if you use that code, you're going to be able to actually sign in and get the basic rate for free. So you still pay for live, just like I said when we first started. But for one year, you'll get to watch the show on demand for free, just like when we started this journey. And then after one year, the code goes away, and then you do have to pay for it. But hopefully, I convince you in, in one year that, that the show's worth it. And I'll do my best to do that. But I think that's a fair compromise after saying, hey, I'm coming over here, pay to watch me live, but you get to watch for free after the show if you choose to. Now, that still is the case as long as you use that code that I just gave you. Let's get into Cardinals and uh, their game against the Ravens. Uh, this one, the, the Diamondbacks are Diamondbacks. I'm just so jacked up. Go do that. The Cardinals are getting a little bit healthier. And... It is. It's almost very similar to ASU on how they keep getting finding ways to lose, but at least they're in the fight every game. And this is one of those games where I would look at if you're a gambler looking at the Cardinals, not to win, but to to cover because they keep finding a ways to keep it close. And Baltimore is coming up. This is one of those games that's just like Cleveland beating the 49ers. This is one of those games where Vegas looks at and it's perfectly set up for upsets. Major game, massive game last weekend, Ravens-Lions. And the Ravens torched them. Ravens just ran ran them off the field. So imagine how overconfident they could be after a win like that on the road. So they feel all high and mighty. Look, hey, if we can beat Detroit like that, now we're coming out here to embarrassing Arizona. Plus, it's starting to get a little colder on the East Coast our weather has broken as well, so they're coming out from the cold to 85 degrees. They're relaxed and in heaven while the Cardinals are starting to put good things together. So this this could be one of those trap games where Baltimore just isn't ready for. So I, I think there's some real value with the Arizona Cardinals this weekend. And yes, I've been down on the Cardinals all year, but I think this is one of those games where you could start seeing things come together a little bit. Well, 
Um, let's talk about JG. I like JG doesn't answer a lot of questions in depth, and he did this time. If you could, uh, Jeff, I, I like three, four, five, and eight for uh, for Coach. Three, four, five, and eight for JG. He was asked about Garrett Williams, and there's an interesting little sidebar that has gone on here. Safety Kayvon Wallace was cut. And when you look at his snap distribution, it's a very strange cut. For two games, he played just about every snap. I think maybe even every defensive snap. And in games before the last two games, he had a lot of playing time. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, last weekend... He didn't play at all against Seattle on defense. Only threw in some special teams. That is not normal for a player to go from every snap to no snaps when healthy. Just not normal. And then to get cut. Now, the team hasn't made a comment on Wallace other than, oh, you know, it's what's best for the team. You know, we, we have some guys that are growing well that are doing this, doing that. Okay, I get that. I am in no way reporting. This is total speculation on my part. But I don't buy everything is normal in the Kayvon Wallace situation. That just doesn't happen. You play every snap on defense for two straight games or close to it. Then you play no snaps on defense. Then you're cut. There had to be some kind of argument. There had to be some kind of disagreement there had to be an accusation of quitting or an accusation of not getting the opportunity or whatever I don't know okay this is total speculation it just I've been doing this for so long and it is so abnormal for a team to say we believe in you this much you're playing every snap and in five days we don't believe you in you at all you're playing zero snaps now we believe in you even less and you're just out the door Okay, having that as a backdrop, um, Garrett Williams slid into that slot position a little bit different than what Wallace was doing, but sometimes the same. And according to Jonathan Gannon, played pretty good at a high intensity position. Yeah, I think the first thing that spot to me is you got to be able to think fast. So that's a highly intelligent position in our um, what we asked that guy to do. And then, you know, his skill set, the skill set of a nickel, um, there's a lot going on. You got to be able to cover, you got to tackle, you got to play zone, you got to blitz a little bit. Um, you're in the box, you're in space. So it's a unique position. It's a starting position to me, um, one of the most, you know, important on the defense. And uh, he, he got himself ready to play, he stepped in there and played well. That one little tidbit there where he threw out, I consider that a starting position that I think every team does too. And that began, I would say, even as far back as 10 years ago. And what they mean by a starting position, okay, you have your base 4 3, 3 4, whatever you choose to play. Those numbers represent the number of defensive linemen first, then the number of linebackers. And then you have a standard secondary of two corners, a free safety, and a strong safety, okay? Strong safety usually lines up on the strong side of the field. The strong side of the field is the strength of the formation. Normally, just simply meaning where is the tight end. The tight end lines up on the right side, then the right offense right, defense left is the strong side. Strong safety lines up over there. Strong safety being more equipped both physically and mentally to stop the run game. Free safety, more of a guy that helps the corners in coverage. Kind of like a center fielder 
with the corners being the left fielder and the right fielder to guard receivers. But that's when the other team is in a standard offensive set. Well, they never go standard anymore. There's almost always three receivers, let alone four and five wide receiver sets. Since there's almost always three receivers, you need three corners. Therefore, you play, instead of maybe a free safety, you have a corner that's playing uh, in the slot. So that corner is the nickel corner because you have five defensive backs, so it's now nickel coverage. That guy's in there covering whatever receiver's in the slot. But since you're so close to the actual formation, then that guy is sometimes, hey, we need you to help and run. Okay, you, you can't just play slot corner and then be soft against the run because if you are, every time you're in the game, the offense is going to see you and just run the ball right at you. This guy's soft in coverage We're gonna or in the run game. We're just going to run right at him until he leaves the field. And then we'll start throwing to the guy that you thought was the nickel corner that was going to be able to cover that wide receiver. Well, now that we ran the ball and scared you and we knocked that guy out, now we're going to throw it to the guy he was supposed to cover. Because we know your new guy isn't as good. That's that's the whole magic of the nickel corner. And you also want that nickel corner to be able to blitz well. Maybe once or twice a game you're going to send him because he's lined up so close to the formation. And this is when we get into – boy, I'm going a lot of different places. Hopefully you're entertained by this. That's what we get into pre-snap reads. One of the pre-snap reads is not necessarily just where is everybody standing. It's the body language of the player. It's the eyes, okay? You're Kurt Warner, who's the master of this. He's looking at that nickel corner, and that nickel corner's trying to fool everybody. I'm lined up against you, okay? I'm lined up against this wide receiver. I'm going to stop this wide receiver. I'm going to stop this wide receiver. My total focus is on this wide receiver, okay? If Kurt Warner reads that, he knows right from the beginning, that guy's not blitzing. I'm okay. I'm okay on this side of the field, all right? However, is the corner going like this? Is he juking and jiving? Is he is he got a, a step? Has he got one foot a little closer? Is is he looking and he can tell, wait, that that nickel corner is taking an inside leverage as if he's gonna come rush me, and I can tell there's a safety or another corner that's kind of shaded over. Why do they need to shade over? They got to shade over because they're going to be covering the nickel corner's man. Well, why do they need to cover the nickel corner's man? Because the nickel corner isn't going to cover him. The nickel corner's coming in on a blitz. So the quarterback is supposed to be able to read that. So that's why the nickel corner has to be a great actor to not show any signs that he's going to blitz, has to be a good blitzer with some actual pass rush moves, has to have no fear in order to stop the run, and oh, by the way, you've got to be able to cover a good player who's lined up in the slot. That's all the things a nickel corner has to do. And there is Coach giving you a little breakdown of how well he thinks Garrett Williams did. So that's something to keep an eye on to see if that's going to be repeated because what do the Ravens do very well? They do a great job of running the football out of passing formations. So they'll be in a pass formation, the nickel corner is on the field, and they might run right at Garrett Williams. I mean, this is like a test of your football character. Not being a jerk, it's not a test of your character as a man. But as a your football character, how much do you care? How much do you want to win? What are you willing to sacrifice when 300-pound men are running at you to squash you in order to create a lane for the running back? Are you willing to take on that block so somebody else can make a play? Are you willing to 
fight to get around that block so you make the play? Or you're like, no, no, I'm just a corner. I don't want this. So here we go. Going to have a really nice test to be able to watch against the Ravens. Okay, the second one that I like from Jonathan Gannon is the standard compliment that the Ravens get all the time. Uh, he was asked the question of like, hey, you know, there was a time 20, 25 years ago, special teams wasn't all that important. Now we know everybody talks about special teams being important. Your special teams played well against Seattle. And Jonathan Gannon kind of jumps in like, okay, we're already done talking about Seattle because he thinks special teams is huge against the Ravens. Why? Because the head coach, John Harbaugh, is one of the only, I think it's the only right now, head coach in the NFL, not, not of all time, but right now, that came from the special teams position. Every coach is either an offensive coordinator or a defensive coordinator than a head coach. As John Harbaugh was the special teams coach of the Philadelphia Eagles, became the Ravens head coach. And what does that mean? That means that team, the Ravens, cares more about special teams than just about anybody else. and losing games so um, we're playing a really good unit this week and we have a really good unit so I told them there uh, this morning it's good on good so we got to maximize our opportunities they're very well coached in that phase they got good players in that phase and uh, so do we and uh, that'll be uh, a good matchup they that is an area where they're improving uh, the actual punter I don't think is doing a great job but the unit itself is doing a good job. So you, you do have that, and I think that, that you have to have that for a bad team to win. I don't think a bad team can overcome special teams because then you're either giving short fields or you are traveling across long fields, one or the other. Um, next one, this is important. This is really important because Steve Kime failed so miserably in certain areas as he started to check out mentally from his job. Zaven Collins, let's face it, he's a bust as a middle linebacker. He's a bust in the position that he was drafted to play by the general manager. But he's not a bust overall. He's doing a good job as an outside linebacker, doing a good job as a pass rusher. Not great, but doing a good job. And uh, Coach was asked about specifics of Zaven's improvement, starting with moving to outside linebacker to where he was against Seattle. Yeah, I think consistency is starting to find his rhythm a little bit with, you know, and I think uh, learning how to rush versus different guys, you know what I mean? Because that's there's there's one part of that where you're working on what you do. And then the next part comes down to how does this guy like to protect, you know, um, which that's kind of a game within the game every week. So he's doing a good job with it. I think that uh, – you know, his blend of speed and power and bend gives him a chance to be productive in the pass game and affect the quarterback. I enjoyed the Wednesday press conference of Jonathan Gannon. Gannon, I don't know why he does this. I think he enjoys to answer every question very literally. Like, hey, do you have a plan for you? Yeah, we do. We do. Okay. I realize you answered the question. It was yes or no, but listen. Now, granted, keep in mind, the Cardinals don't credential me, so when I go first person here, it's not me because they're scared of what I know. But when you when you sit there, 
I've got a job to do. JG, you've got a job to do. It's not your job to make my job easier, but it's dumb of you. Totally dumb. In a market where the suns are exploding, that people are falling in love again with baseball and the Arizona Diamondbacks, you've got to sell your plan and sell yourself and sell your organization. You are a salesperson. And right now, your organization is the bottom of the barrel. Not you, but your organization is totally bottom of the barrel with an owner that is having stories written about what would somewhat be abuse might be as too strong of a word, but toxic workplace certainly is not too strong of a word. And that's been brought on by him, totally by him. And you're dealing with a team that's perpetual losing and a team that's just not that popular really with people right now. So this is your opportunity to sell it. And a lot of his pressers, he doesn't. And in this one, he really opened up about a lot of different things, And but it was good football talk. So I, I think that's important to keep doing it. And I like what he said about Zavin right there. Of It makes perfect sense. At first, it was just learn your job, learn your job, learn your own set of pass rush moves. And now he's moving into, okay, what are my strengths and what does the film say is this guy's weaknesses? And that's what we talk about when we talk about – watching film I was shocked uh, out of all the players Antonio Cromarty was one where I had always heard terrible stories about him when he was in New York and I don't know why and then when he signed with the Cardinals I was talking to a Jets beat reporter and he told me what a film rat Antonio Cromarty was And, and I did not know that at all so I then contacted other people, and they all said, yeah, yeah. And then Cromartie came here and was fantastic at teaching people how to watch film. And that becomes an individual thing. So when I'm talking about Zayvon Collins, I'm looking at, okay, who's the left tackle? What, what does his pass sets look like? Where are his strengths? Where are his weaknesses? That's something only you can study. Yes, a position guy, a position coach does that too, but a position coach has got their own problems trying to make sure the entire outside linebacker group is doing this, the entire linebacker group is doing that, whatever it is. It's up to you as an individual to improve your game, and that's what uh, Zayvon Collins is is starting to do. I got one more Jonathan Gannon to do, and then I'm going to hold Nick Rollis off for a second because I want to talk fantasy football. The last JG, if you give me JG8 – Jeff Weir production. I think this is important because Coach was asked about from Harold Ball, uh, Howard Balzer, a very good reporter. You had some slow starts, doing really well second and third quarter. Not third quarter, but really well second quarter. One of the best teams in football, actually, in the second quarter. You're a disaster in the fourth quarter. How are the two things correlating between slow starts and bad fourth quarters? Good question, Howard. It's kind of the same thing as the start of the game. You know, there's a lot of things that go on late in a game that are variables that go into, you know, your success. But I think that uh, our offense, it's, it's, we have to maximize our opportunities when we get them um, on mixed downs and on pass downs into the red zone and two minute, all those things come into play. So um, just the uptick of execution, we should, you know, do a better job of maximizing our chances. <laughs> The reason why I like that is very simple, and that's because Jonathan Gannon is saying, if we go into the first quarter and we're not sustaining drives, we're not learning about the defense. 
We're not learning the things we need to know about what's going to work, what kind of blitzes do they have in today's game. If they're being able to stay vanilla and go three and out or we're only getting one first down and punting, now we're going into the fourth quarter blind. So everybody's yelling, why aren't you giving them? Why, well, why aren't you making adjustments? Well, they're not making adjustments because what do you adjust? If you're getting beat with a simple defense, how are you going to adjust to now beat the complexities of the fourth quarter? You've got to sustain drives in the first quarter in order to see enough from their defense to know here's their game plan. Now you adjust in the fourth quarter and you can win the fourth quarter. So a good run down there. I, I want to do some Nick Rollis a little bit later. I might push it off until tomorrow as well. we got a lot more to do, but on Thursdays, uh, usually when I remember or I reach out, Brad Smith was able to adjust everything on his day and say, sure, I got nothing going on in my life. And he joins us right now on Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. I hope that you just pulled over and you haven't been pulled over the whole time while I was finishing the point on Jonathan Gannon. No, I'm actually sitting in a Home Depot parking lot, so oh. it works out perfectly. Oh, good, good. Then I don't, then I don't yeah. uh, feel as bad. Hopefully, hopefully, I, I don't know. Some guy that might do a little shindig with Murray Electric understands that you are, uh, uh, you're just sitting in there uh, enjoying yourself, waiting for me. Hopefully, I was entertaining while you waited. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> and actually, I think uh, with that whole uh, not making adjustments, I think you had it. You were spot on. They don't have enough time to make adjustments, and the other people are making the adjustments, and that's why the fourth quarter is so disastrous. Exactly, exactly. It's hard. It's hard to when you go three and out. What are you adjusting? You don't. You don't know. You don't even know what the defense is doing. You did so bad on your end that now you haven't. Uh, you haven't learned enough. Um, let's get into something that you are helping me with because today's an important day. I've been too busy to do anything on it, but I'm doing it today. So today I am proposing to the evil arch-rival commissioner a trade that you have proposed. For those of you that don't know, my evil uh, competitor has great team bad quarterback. I have Tua Tungavailoa, and I have the quarterback coming in to take on the Cardinals this weekend. And do I want to stay with a guy that was struggling a little bit Tua was carrying me for a while, or do I say, ah, Jackson is back after what Lamar was able to do last week against Detroit? Who, First of all, which quarterback am I keeping? You keep Jackson. Okay. I think okay. Jackson's a top three quarterback the whole way, the rest of the way. Possibly number one. Yes. Okay, good. So I feel good about that because I, I want I, I want the team chemistry to start developing a little better on, on my fantasy team. So I'm, I'm glad that we have we have our leader in the huddle now. We're good there. So then when we look at the trade, here's what you proposed. I've got a failing Pollard. I've got a Kittle that's yep. highly up and down. Get him out. Hi, highly up and down. And you like but trading. But he still has a name too. Yes. Good point. And I have, and he has Andrews, Kamara, and Young Puka, who's like kind of surprising the world a little bit. So you like Tua Pollard Kittle off my team, Andrews, Kamara, and Puka on my team. Tell me why. Well, first you get the Andrews Jackson stack. So every time you get a touchdown, that's 10 points. Mm. So plus the yardage. So that's great. You got to love the stack. And then not only that, but Kamara is a huge upgrade from Pollard. Uh, he is just dancing around people. He looks like he's kind of having fun, little Tyreek action, just like kind of moves and shifts and then just runs out of bounds. And he kind of he's just very elusive. So I think that's a huge upgrade. And then you can improve your skill, too, with Puka. Mm -hmm. So I know he, some people might be a little down on Puka because Cooper came back and he's taking a lot of the production. 
But those two guys are uh, solidified in their roles. So they are going to definitely catch balls. It might be Cooper Cup a little more this week. If they start doubling them, it's going right to Puka. I so like that. Those three skill guys are huge, huge upgrades. You get rid of Kittle. You still have Ingram on your bench. You get rid of Pollard, who is basically bench guy right now because you can't trust him. Yeah. And then you have Lamar Jackson. So it's a huge, huge improvement. He gets Tua. He's got like eight solid backs. So getting rid of one of those guys, I don't think it's going to be any sweat off his back. If you are like if you just found Doug Franz unplugged and you don't know what we're doing every Tuesday afternoon at one o'clock, the organic football show is mostly fantasy football. And then Sundays helping you set your lineup one hour before kickoff. This week is the last 10 o'clock in the morning show. And then there are uh, last nine o'clock in the morning show. Then you're moving to 10 o'clock coming up next week as the clocks change. Brad, I bet there's a lot of people that are in my boat in their fantasy team that they really liked Pollard. So even for those people that aren't fantasy football guys, let's just talk hardcore football, what do you think's going on with Pollard? I don't know how much Cowboys you've watched. I've watched about three of their games, and this is not the same guy from 2022. No, it's almost like he doesn't have anything to prove anymore, so he just the fire's gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know they had, they had some injuries on the line early on, but they got some of those guys back, and yet still he – he's not doing anything. So I don't know what's going on with him. I don't know if he's just flaring out, but he carries that big name. People think he's a top five, 10 back. So use that and trade him and get value back and get the real five to 10 back with Camara back. And that's, and that I'm assuming goes for everybody. I mean, anybody that's got Pollard on in their lineup, you're saying now is the time to bail trade before him. the whole world. Okay. Okay. That's a, that's Trade a great him. lesson. What other lessons do you have? What are people running into as we start to you, – you move away from, hey, great job, you grabbed a guy off of waivers, you were able to claim him early, nobody knew that guy was good, you got him first, blah, blah, blah. Now that you're kind of in the, the meat of the season, what tips do you have to sustain or regain? Well, you're always trying to improve your team. So if you have a weakness, uh, generally it's not going to be flex. It could be like a quarterback, like you said. But if you have a weakness, like a tight end, now's the time to try and go and get those guys, go and prove them. And if you picked up a guy like Devontae Foreman uh, or Dante Foreman, and you know he hit really big, just like DJ Moore did, I didn't think Chicago's offense was that great. You know, sell him. Sell him now. He, he mm. got 33 points last week. People are going to pay a, pay a nice premium for him. And if you think about it, Chicago was up almost the whole game, so they were running the ball. Yeah. Next yeah. week, Chicago is going to fall behind. They're not going to run the ball as much. So when, when guys have really big weeks like that, you need to understand that this is just one week. They played a bad team. They had a really good week. It's not going to be, it's not going to be very like continual going forward. So when you get those guys and they do strike big, that's the time to sell because someone sees 33 points for a week and they're in love. I don't know if this is normal, but it appears this is one of those crazy years. And I asked you something like this last week, but it just keeps happening where you're getting a lot of four and five point defenses and somebody's getting 15 out of nowhere. I mean, it's, it's a really crazy defensive year. What is your defensive strategies? Are you a floater? You got a new defense every week? Do you actually have a bench defense? How, how do you try to steal points defensively? Well, it really depends on how your league is set up. If you, We are limited on waiver moves for 20, 
So it makes it hard to stream a defense every week and just pick the best one. Okay. Because there's, you know, 17 weeks in the season, that's 17 of your moves on defenses, theoretically. Yeah. So what I recommend is get two solid defenses and then pick the matchup that, you know, like, for instance, I got Tampa Bay and I have Detroit. Okay. So Tampa Bay is playing Buffalo Bills tonight. I don't like that matchup. I'm definitely (laughs) going to go Detroit. Especially on a short week. So. Yeah, yeah. So that, that I'm going to set them. Even though I think Tampa's the better defense, uh, they generally get more sacks and more turnovers. While I like how D- Detroit plays with more fire, the matchup this week is a little better, so I'm going to go with Detroit versus Tampa. Okay. But if you can't get, like, the rock salt – I mean, even Dallas had a negative two-point game, and they're the number one defense. So just because they're the number one defense and they get you 20, 30 points sometimes, like, Dallas got 34 points one week. Yeah, that, but that week one against the two, Giants. So <laughs> Yeah, that was pretty bad. So that's just one thing to look at. So even if you have a great defense, matchups are really crucial. So look at those and then try, try and pick the deep, best defense. Makes sense. Okay, Brad, uh, last question is plug yourself. What's coming up on Sunday's uh, organic football show? Uh, Sunday you got me, Rich, and our producer Matt's going to be there. Uh, we're going to let you know who's injured. You know, there's a lot of like Tyree Kill just popped up with a questionable. We'll let you know Sunday if these guys are going to play, if they're going to sit. If not, who to go pick up in their abstinence and just kind of go from there. And that's we'll give awesome. you, I don't know. We never let, know where we're going to go with these things. So l- Let me give you something that's top secret between you and I. Don't tell anybody. I was asked by a certain bearded gentleman if he could on the show, you know, it's Sunday, it's tailgating, if he could have a beer or two out of the fridge. I said, sure, you guys are always welcome to that, but if, if, you, if you hit it hard, just do me a favor and, and put some back. Well, since he's the one that asked, as long as you have a driver, I say you hammer because he's the one that's on the hook for put, for filling it back up. Just keep that in mind. Yeah, perfect. And you know what? Also, I want to. I'm going to buy you a beer so you can try it on, on the air. It's called an Old Chub. It's a Scottish ale. Okay, it's, it's delicious. You're going to love right. it. Done. Hey, I'm I'll always. A, up. I'll find a six pack. They're kind of. They're kind of rare, so I'll find a six-pack and I'll bring it in for you. Okay, I'm, all, I'm always there. Hey, feel free, whatever you feel like it, if you're up and maybe the boss man lets you off. Come in for Beer Friday live in studio at 6 o'clock. Have a beer with us. Oh, perfect. There you go. All right, see you. Have a good show, Brad. All right, thanks, Doug. Have a great one. Absolutely. Really cool of Brad to let me – by the way, I – I usually email him on Wednesday, hey, here's what I'm thinking and stuff like that. But with my crazy day yesterday, I didn't. And uh, so I emailed him about 5.30 this morning. Hey, we still want you. If you're around, you want to come on. But uh, we didn't set it up. So I really appreciate Brad dropping everything and joining us here on Doug Franz Unplugged. Again, the organic football show. If you want to kind of get to know it a little bit, it's free on demand this week. So you can go watch it on demand and decide, yeah, that's good stuff. And uh, and here's the other benefit. Maybe you can't watch it Tuesday at 1 o'clock when it's live. If you jump up and become a member of, of WTSMTV.com and you choose basic, you're going to be able to watch those shows on demand. So I think it's a brilliant idea. Let's say what works for you the best is Wednesday night for you to set your lineup because of Thursday night football. But Organic Football Show is Tuesday. Don't worry. You can watch it Wednesday night on demand. Use it to help you set your lineup and learn something fantasy-wise. So hopefully that's that's something that you jump on. All right. I want to hit a quick break. But I want to come right back to where we were. So I want to talk a little bit of Nick Rollis. I want to talk a little bit of uh, both coordinators with Drew Petzing and 
Got a very interesting Pac-12 story that you need to learn about. That's all coming up next. This is Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass on WTSMTV.com. I got to give so much credit to Drew Petzing. The guy is just the master of the press conference. Offensive coordinator for the Arizona Cardinals. Master of the press conference because he says so little, but that sounds so authoritative. But if you listen to what he's like, that guy didn't tell you anything. We'll get into some of the Drew Petzing in a little bit, but I wanted to stop, talk fantasy, and then I want to get back into uh, some of the Cardinals. And then I got some uh, great Pac-12 stuff that I, I want to get into, some Kenny Dillingham as well. Uh, Nick Rollis, of course, you can imagine life is a lot better because number three is on the field. Yeah, I, I say, Buddha, what are you, what are you thinking here? And, and Buddha, uh, I mean, in all honesty, I will get, you know, a smart players like Buddha's input on um, what he feels is, is working well for us or what, me, what we might need, or at least he's given us feedback on what's going on out there. You know, a player's perspective is unique. Sometimes they, they see things that you can't see um, from the sideline or even up in the booth. You know, it's a, it's a feel thing. And it was, you know, when he's out there, um, you know, the plan is the plan. So, you know, whether it's stuff that we wanted to stick with or adjust to, we had it structured throughout the week, but I definitely will get his input on uh things that he wants to get done throughout the game it's one small aspect of football that we don't really talk a lot about okay how many times have you heard about you know rookies making mistakes losing a rookie was supposed to be a rookie was in the wrong gap a rookie made this mistake or a second year player you know blah 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 there's another element to young players that we don't talk a lot about and that's the opposite of what Nick Rollis was just discussing with Buda Baker. Buda has such a high football IQ. Buda has said before in previous press conferences that he does so much film work, so much study, that when he looks at down distance and formation from the opposition, he has it narrowed down between about two to five plays. He knows they are going to run one of the let's say let's say the numbers four. I know you're about ready to run one of these four plays, whatever it is, in your offense. He studied that much. And then, after the snap, seeing immediately what they do within a second, he knows which one of the four it is. Doesn't mean he always makes the right play. Doesn't mean that somebody else doesn't do a great job blocking him. Doesn't mean he hasn't been wrong before, thinking it's play A and it ends up being a different play. But that's what he sees out on the field. And then he can formulate this is what they're trying to do. And that view that he has, then he goes straight to his defensive coordinator. This is what they're doing. This is what I am seeing. Because seeing the game from the sideline, it is it is a little bit of a strange angle. And you need a player that can do that. Well, a rookie or a first-year player, they're just trying to get their own assignment right. Okay. Very few first-year players can come off the field and say, Coach, this, this is how they're defending this against us. Or this is how they're attacking us. This is what they want to do. So you don't get that intel. 
So a defensive coordinator is a little more blind in how he is calling the game the younger his defense is. So that simple explanation of him of Nick Rollins saying, I go to Buddha, Buddha tells me what he sees out there. Sometimes the player perspective is better than what I'm seeing. That's all huge, but that's another reason why the defense struggle without Buddha is not only because they lost a great player, but when you've got him and Jalen Thompson out, you got two rookies in there. They're just trying to survive. Even if they start surviving well, you're not able to go to the sideline and really increase the capacity of knowledge for the defensive coordinator of what needs to be accomplished. Um, this one is simply kind of formulating a, a game plan, both against Baltimore, but in general with the pieces they have with Buddha. No, I think, you know, it's, it's important that when you're mapping out roles for each week that you, you're very clear as to why. Um, there's never anything with, with a player on uncertainty on what they need to continue to improve on or what the role that they're filling is. So I think clear communication is critical for that. And, you know, the players know that we got their back and we're doing week to week what we think is best, whether that's through playing time packages, calls, whatever that is, to win the game. And so I think our players do a great job of embracing that and being the best in their role. This is a little bit more of the modern human being. Um, in in days, I would say, between 50 years ago and 15 years ago, in that 35-year time frame, the coach is the boss. Coach says, do this, you don't do it, you're out. That simple. And players would, forever players would get upset whether or not they were being used the way they thought they should be used player thinks that they're great at doing X and they don't think they get enough opportunities in this scheme to do X, they're now upset at the coach. But the coach might have a different viewpoint. It might be, A, you're not as good at X as you think you are. Or it might be, it doesn't matter that you're good at that because we can't free you up to do that. We're not doing enough good things over here to let you do what you want. Maybe that thing that you think is your third best trait you're still the best at the third best trait as anybody else on the team. So I need you just to do that to survive before I can turn you loose. Whatever, you know, there's, there's a lot of different things that that could be. So when you hear that, it's more about I've got to explain to you the plan so therefore you understand what it is I'm asking of you but it also goes another step, whether people want to admit it or not. It also leads to the accountability. If I explain it to you and you fail, now I can go to you and say, this is why you're either losing playing time, why we're losing games. Explain it in more detail. And that way, players of today, they expect this. Why do you want me to do that? And their motivation is the why. If they don't know why, they don't do it as well. They want to understand a bigger picture. Most of them do, not all. Uh, okay, the next one. This is back to Buddha's high football IQ. And what does that do for the defense, and what did you lose when he wasn't in there? Did Buddha help with Yeah, anytime you have an extremely smart player like Buddha on the field, he's going to help the entire defense, right? And 
um, you know, rookie in his first game right next to a, a veteran all pro guy that's extremely intelligent is definitely going to be beneficial. Um, he's the one that really knows having, having a guy like that next to him. What he's referring to there is when you have young players, like, okay, in this case, if we kind of look at Garrett Williams, Garrett Williams being new, playing the slot, being a young guy, the difference of having Buddha being able to say, watch for the seven, watch for the seven. He doesn't mean jersey number seven. He means a seven route, okay? Watch for the dig, watch for the dig. So imagine how hard somebody sells a dig route. I'm trying to beat you deep. I'm trying to beat you deep. I'm going to run right by you. Oh, no, oh, no, boom. Plant the foot, cut inside. Get right in front of the safety, right in front of the corner. Make that catch. And if you are able to do that and pull the safety inside, maybe that opens up somebody else on the back end. There's that. Well, if Buddha recognizes exactly what the route is, then it's easier to not be faked out by the other part of the route. If you're running an inside route, you're going to fake like you're going deep or you're running outside. That's part of it to get that corner off of you. And if he is already being told by Buddha this is what's about to happen, oh my gosh, what a tremendous advantage that is. So then everybody else talks about the great play of Williams when it was really Buddha that set him up for that great play. I mean, this happens at almost every level of sports. I can make you laugh of comparing old man slow pitch softball, okay? Well, I played slow pitch softball one time playing third base with, I'm sorry to say it, the guy was an idiot that was playing shortstop. He just didn't have any idea what he was doing. Great athlete, but just didn't understand the game. And we had a runner, the other team had a runner on second, nobody on first. Therefore, the guy on second wasn't forced to come to third. But I could just tell the guy on second by his body language, he's, he's clueless of what's going on. So I told the shortstop before the first pitch to the next batter, hey, if you make a play, throw it to me. He's, what? Just throw it. Just trust me. You make the play, throw me the ball. All right. And he trusted me. And boom, wouldn't you know it, ball went to the shortstop and a guy on second starts running to third for absolutely no reason. And suddenly the, the shortstop throws me the ball, boom, we get a tag play. And we get that guy out. You could, I could just tell by the way things were going. Obviously, in a highly more elevated situation of millionaires, you've got that same thing. Buddha reads the play, tells Williams what it is. Gosh, is that comforting for Williams to be able to know, okay, I, I know, stay clear here. This is my responsibility. And then Williams makes plays, but that develops trust with Buddha, and nobody realizes it. That's why some of the defenses... When uh, Rashad Johnson, do you remember Rashad Johnson? He was the player that lost part of his pinky finger. It left, he left it in the glove. Yes, I said that. Part of his pinky finger was cut off and it ended up in his glove. Well, Rashad Johnson is one of the smartest players the Arizona Cardinals have ever had. And even and this is where a huge failure of Steve Kime happened when he got rid of Rashad Johnson one year because do you remember how lights out Patrick Peterson was? Just incredible. Did you ever notice that Pat P wasn't quite as good when Rashad Johnson was gone? Rashad Johnson was not that great of a safety. He wasn't that great of a football player. But he made 10 other players go from good to great, average to good, good to great, whatever it was. 
The other 10 guys were almost always in the right spot. The other 10 guys were making plays all the time. And Rashad Johnson made sure that the whole team didn't get beat. His incredibly high football IQ put the Cardinals in a position to succeed because he knew exactly what he was doing and knew exactly what everybody else needed to be doing. That also frees you up. How many times have you been given a piece of advice or a piece of knowledge by somebody at work, and now that you know that, you're more confident to be you. You're more confident to do your job your way because you know this other piece of information. You got Rashad Johnson or Buda Baker telling you, hey, this is about to happen. Like, okay, now I can be aggressive. Now I already know. I don't have to think as much because they've done that for me. And that's who Buda Baker is, and I love being able to throw out the name Rashad Johnson again. Didn't Ronnie Lott lose his pinky finger, too, playing football? Yes, exactly. Those, playing safety, yes, too. Yes, yes. Uh, Ronnie Lott was told that um, the finger was damaged and he couldn't keep playing that game. And he said, well, if it's so damaged, why don't we just cut it off? And oh, like, I thought what? he lost it during the game. Yeah, no, no. They, just, they actually amputated part of his finger. Oh, okay. So that was a little different. Rashad Johnson... Notice, like, I guess his pain tolerance was so high, he noticed his glove being bloody and was wondering what was wrong. And he took his glove off, and part of his finger was gone. It was in the glove. And he's like, oh, and then he kind of freaked out. But he was like, he said he was pretty normal, you know, like, oh my gosh, my, my glove's all bloody. What's going on? And lost the tip of his finger. <laughs> it's just, it's all, it's just, okay. I I don't know. Everybody's a little different. I don't understand this about me. Okay, both of my kids were C-sections, all right? I told the doctor, I I need to stay upstairs. I'm not going downstairs for a C-section. Oh, you want to come cut the cord? Heck no, I'm not going downstairs, all right? I could watch the C-section on TV. I could have been in a different room, closed circuit, like, oh, yeah, okay, oh, that, oh, that's, oh, okay. I would have been interested in that. Watching it, what? no, no, no. That's not happening. And th that just freaks me out. Dead things, I don't like dead things. Okay, dead animals just make me just, I like every time I, eesh. and I don't know why, but at the wigwam, there's always there's always a dead pigeon somewhere near a cart path. So it just feels like, hey, hey, hey. And I just get the heebie-jeebies and I kind of walk away. So not a fan. And, uh, and then body parts that would no no that would I, that would be a problem hey your finger's bloody oh no here you have half a finger it's it's right here no don't touch it somebody else get that glove let me let me come over here first that stuff Yeesh. okay let's get to nick rollins talking about red zone resiliency in which they did show a little bit better job there were a couple times the Seahawks were held to field goals and where Nick Rollis was happy is his defense might give up a play or two, but that didn't mean they threw in the towel even in that drive. That was something that we that we focused in on this past week of, of being resilient. And, you know, it showed up in the red zone there of guys don't waver when, you know, a drive marches down and it feels like man they're moving it we're we're not doing a great job we don't know what it is quite yet we haven't got a chance to correct it and it doesn't it doesn't phase those guys i think that it starts with the leaders um i can just picture in my head right now Gardeck talks about it buddha talks about it it's it's not about what's happened we'll correct that 
and we'll and we'll move on. But hey, what do I have to do right now to make a play to help us out to get us behind the sticks to get off the field, whatever that is? And I thought our guys did a good job, and they've done a good job several times this year of digging down deep and in, in the red zone situations, you know, specifically, um, and 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 battling. You know, so this game is is it's competitive. You got to you got to give it your all every single play, and it's easy for anybody to ride the emotional roller coaster of a game. And so that's not how we want to be. We want to be steady, um, emotionally steady so that we can perform at a high level playing and play out. And I think they've done a good job with that. It starts with the players. That is so true. But what's weird about it is defensively, it's emotion that normally drives success. You know, offensive guys are the ones, hey, let's be under control. Let's think about this. Defensive guys are the ones, hey, let's be a crazy pack of wild dogs like Lawrence Taylor once said. Yet you've got to have emotional control, according to Rollis. Uh, tomorrow's show, uh, and this is kind of an announcement to Jeff Weir Production, but also just you. Tomorrow's show, heavy Suns Lakers, heavy World Series preview. But I also want to push all of the Drew Petzing. I want to push all of the Kenny Dillingham, and I want to add some Jed Fish. So we've got a ton of football on a football Friday, on a beer Friday to talk about tomorrow. So if there's any way you can make an appointment listening to to listen to the podcast tomorrow, to watch here on WTSM-TV, we've got a ton of stuff. For just before um, my last commercial break, I want one quick note that you understand. I, I am fascinated by this. Admittedly, this is a source of contention on the uh, at the old station. They hated when I wanted to talk legal things, but this is funny where we are. Oregon State and Washington State have presented a fantastic case so far in discovery. So this is where both sides show their hand a little bit. Well, if you don't know where we are, you have Oregon State and Washington State got a temporary restraining order against the rest of the Pac-12. The Pac-12 tried to have a board meeting, and everybody knew what was going to happen in that board meeting. They were going to discuss the dissolution of the Pac-12 with everybody going away because the majority of the votes would say, hey, and think about it from an ASU pay standpoint. We paid one-twelfth the price of that camera in San Francisco. We paid this much for the Pac-12 network. We paid this much for these rights. We did this. So we want our cut as we sell things off or as we make decisions for the future of the conference. And Oregon State and Washington State are saying, wait a minute. I still, I'm in the Pac-12. Why, why are we getting rid of anything Pac-12? I'm in the Pac-12. We don't have to get rid of a thing. That's not right. So they were able to block a board meeting in order to make sure nothing got sold off. The Pac-12 continues running. It's basically a brilliant move because I think what their strategy is is to bring in schools from the Mountain West, maybe even the WAC, bring them into the Pac-10, Pac-12, Pac-whatever the number is going to be. And they would still have ties to the Rose Bowl. Maybe the Rose Bowl would say, okay, we're done with you, but you would still be able to create a conference. And you would still own all of the Pac-12 things. Well... The documents that they produced in Discovery was proof that the Pac-12 told USC, told UCLA, and even told Colorado in that small window 
when Colorado had left before everybody else did that you are no longer a voting member of the board. So this is ASU, U of A, Stanford and Cal, who have also left now for the ACC, Oregon, UW, Utah, those schools all coming together to say, you, you're not in this conference anymore. You've already left, so now you don't get a vote on the board. You're no longer on the board. We in the Pac-9 are on the board. You three schools are out. Well, their argument, Oregon State and Washington State's argument is, if the board already voted those three schools out, that's the precedent that's set. Now that everybody else except us have left, why aren't they off the board? They should not meet as a board. The board meeting should only be Cougars and Beavers. Okay? That's it. They have a great point. So this is another mistake by the Crow-Anderson regime of money that's just going to be lost to the Pac-12 as they move to the Big 12 when if Oregon State and Washington State win this. Now, it's not only their fault. It's everybody in the conference's fault. But it's just, it's kind of funny to keep an eye on what's about to happen. All right, coming up next, Steve McCollum's coming in. He's going to join us from the main event, tell us what's coming up there, and give his thoughts a little bit on the World Series and the Arizona Diamondbacks. And we haven't really talked a lot of hardcore football with him. Thursday night football coming up. And I got versus Vegas for you coming up as well. Thanks for watching. Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass on WTSMTV.com. Burrito Express started with my father about 25 years ago. He got laid off and decided that he needed to do something to provide for his family. My brother and I were older teens, 17, 18 year old. And I'm going to do a trial out of my house. So literally we decided we're going to start out of his house. So we delivered uh, menus in a square mile area, literally started delivering burritos out of our home in Mesa, Arizona. And after about a month, he said, let's do this. Went and found his first location. And believe it or not, that's how it started. We started with one location back in 1995. Now we're where we are now it's big it's juicy it's meaty get your burrito at burrito express if you're having a hangover a bad day even a good day still get your burrito at burrito express it will make you feel better Steve McCollum is the host of the main event. He's coming up from 8 to 10 this morning here on WTSMTV.com. And uh, earlier today, Steve, I had said this, in all of my years of being in the media, I've never seen it in my life. And I don't know if there's a story, if you remember this happening. I'm so entertained by this. The Chicago Bulls lost by 20 at home last night. They had a players-only meeting after game one. Game one! That. You can't tell me. Do you ever remember seeing that before? No, it's ridiculous too, right? <laughs> yes. um, if you're not up for game one, what are you doing? Yes. I can yeah. understand game 30, game 40, whatever, but game one? And and if you're yeah. having a players-only meeting after only game one, then that totally means players believe there are other guys that like, yeah. like they had no idea the season was starting, yeah, that guys, they were that out of it. Yeah, guys didn't show up right, right? It's, just, it's amazing, <laughs> but I mean, then you got LeBron – Telling right openly telling his head coach with microphones right there saying, uh, you know, I can play point guard, right? <laughs> I, I can take the ball up. Basically, LeBron saying our point guard sucks. 
<laughs> he's not getting the ball to the right people, and uh, I can do it. And then uh, the answer uh, from Anthony Davis, who yeah. went 0 for 6. Oh, I just need to shoot more. Oh, 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 okay. Yeah, yeah, you don't need to move more. <laughs> you don't need to create space. Yeah. You don't need to play better defense so you get breakaways. Yeah. You just need to well, shoot more. And then and then you add in uh, Harden, you know, uh, not oh showing up at all. Decides to show up to practice before they travel uh, for their first game. And Philly goes, yeah, just go home, man. You know what? I'm glad you brought that one up. Here's one for you. Like I'm going to have you join versus Vegas. I'm not touching this game, but the Sixers are a six-point underdog yeah. tonight. Now, think about this game. You know the NBA mentality is for the Bucks to probably let up a little bit, even though it's game one for them, no, too. Giannis just signed the large contract. Yeah, yeah, he's happy. And then you're trying to get Dame time yeah. intermixed into the offense. Chemistry. So that would be – and Philadelphia is sitting here thinking, we're sick of this hardened drama. We mm. want to show everybody else we don't need him. I'm not so sure So they that. got some fire, but there's no way it's not a distraction. Yeah. So do you, what would your pick – if you want, it, or would you not touch it for the Bucks minus six? Yeah, see, I'm I'm not sure on the 76ers because Embiid kind of was on uh, Harden's side in the off season. Like we need him in here. Yeah, uh, you know, Sixers need to figure out how to get him in here. I need him here to play. So him not being here does that mean Embiid's upset? If Embiid's upset, the whole team's going to be upset. Yeah, 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 it's amazing. But it's game one. I wouldn't touch it just because it's game one. Because okay. like you said, I mean, look, last night, right? Um, Knicks, uh, Celtics. That yeah. ended up coming down to the wire. There's no reason that should have. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so it's game one. You got the chemistry issues. Uh, you've got, uh, like I said, all the drama. I could see the Sixers and beat, you know, if that is the case. Yeah. I don't know if it is. Nobody knows what it is. I read about it last night. And I was kind of like, I don't know who's who's on whose side right yeah, now. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, then, so, yeah, it's just, it's just uh, it, beginning NBA is like week one in the NFL. Just avoid it if you can. Another game to look at. My pick is coming up on versus Vegas is actually a game that I'm playing. The Suns are getting five yeah. and a half points in L.A. Yeah. Now, we totally know if the Suns are healthy, but they're Booker, much better than Booker's L.A. Booker's going to be out but for they this say, game. They say, oh, you're done. Because I've read yeah. doubtful. No, you're, I know. You're, well, I mean, put it this way. Uh, if you're doubtful, you're most likely out. So yes. it wouldn't shock but me. But it is the Lakers. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, well, it's you don't need Lakers them. national know. television. Well, you know Booker. Saying, but Booker scored 32 points the other night. Yeah. But you don't need him for this game. It's kind of like, kind of like the Bradley Beal. If that was a playoff game, he would have played. Yeah, yeah. But set him out. He, Booker played in game one. All accounts I'm reading, that toe's not feeling very well the next day. Yeah. I would expect him to be. If he's doubtful, I would expect him to be out in this game. So Take that into consideration. Suns are going to win this game. They have the more talent. Uh, and uh, LeBron. Even without Booker and Bradley, yeah, you still yeah. say Suns win. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I mean, LeBron, LeBron doesn't have a point guard. He's trying to be it. Yeah. You know what? Let LeBron be the point guard. Let him run up and down the court at age 48 or whatever he is now. Yeah. Eh, let him tucker that. Let, let the old man tucker himself out. Yeah. I, was, uh, <laughs> I w lived in Alabama in 2001. What was, what was it like? here what was Nudge. compare 2023 to 2001 from a world series standpoint i don't that's a good question 2001 was a different situation for a lot of reasons one it was the first time you know diamondbacks made it there they were expected to be really good that yeah, year yeah. then you had the 9-11 situation you were playing the the vaunted Yankees of all coming, that dynasty era. Like, yeah. remember, that was the end. We broke the end of their dynasty. Yeah. We were the final team that kind of toppled that dynasty. Uh, so there was a lot of stuff in that year. To me, that year was ultra special. We talked about it yesterday on the show here. This team, in terms of 
team in the World Series, this team this year, to me, would always go down more special than that 2001 team. But it's because they weren't expected to be there. Mm. They played like garbage most of the year. It's kind of like that 2008 Cardinals team, right, where they yeah. made the Super yeah. Bowl. Yeah. That's a special team, even though they didn't win the Super Bowl, because it just out of nowhere was just there. You were excited about it. Uh, this year's World Series just doesn't have that much. Take 9-11 out of it. Yeah. You know, you're not playing, you're not paying, you know, one of the best teams in baseball, one of the all-time great teams of baseball, one of the blue buds of baseball. Uh, factor all that in, you, you know, eh, all right. 2001, I mean, it's the best year by far, though. Yeah. Because, well, because of what they represented in that year, yeah. And I would assume, again, no knowledge, that Phoenix hadn't really earned its bandwagon reputation yet, right? Because no, you had we were all, no, all people ASU. Like you. People yeah. always loved ASU. I always hear stories about ASU selling out all the time. Suns fans having, you know, having a parade for a for a second place finish, yeah. Western Conference Finals, stuff like that. And it wasn't, and nobody liked the Cardinals because you're you're in the heat. So that's a pass. No, it had nothing to do with the heat. It had to do with they they couldn't compete. <laughs> Well, I always heard, that. too, I mean, you're not going to sit on metal bleachers at one of the People would have sat on metal bleachers if they would have won every year. Okay, okay. Don't tell me that garbage. That's all I've heard. I never knew. You sit on metal bleachers for the ASU games all the time. I, I've, I've, yeah, but they were at night, right? Nah, not all the time. I, I've never heard anybody defend that point, so I don't have any basis yeah, to, no, to yeah, make no, it. Yeah, no, it's just, uh, I'll, just, I'll just say it. It's just stupid people that want to get their digs in, Doug. <laughs> about bandwagon phoenix just I get over it that. you win we show up you don't win we don't care about you period end of story diamondbacks sucked this year people didn't show up for a certain time deal with it we're yeah. never going to be st louis we're never going to be boston those guys have their own sets of problems look at it. philly wants to disband their team because they lost to the diamondbacks oh i love if you that. watch those videos no, i love that get out of here with that garbage that's man. you lost you got beat move on with your life never see that's passion that's what sports are all about but no i wasn't <laughs> arguing about the past because I don't, I don't know it no, enough know. about it. Yeah. Uh, as far as that, right. Right, go, have a good go job. Back. I love versus Vegas today. Love versus Vegas. I'm, I'm staring at the camera saying three and zero. And man, am I going to get run over if I go zero three? <laughs> I, I'm always nervous when I'm this confident over Vegas of of what I've got for you. Okay, number one, how did I do yesterday on versus Vegas? I only liked one game. I made some World Series predictions, so of course I have no idea if they're going to come true. But uh, I have one game that I liked, and that is I got Washington plus one and a half over New Jersey. Wish I would have taken the the, the puck line. Because I would have won it. Washington won six to four. I didn't even need the goal and a half, so that was an easy win. I tick one off. I'm up to 1,016 wins since we started this journey together. The games tonight, I am totally with what Steve McCollum just said. Lakers are a five and a half point favorite because of the situation with Booker and Beal being listed as doubtful. Yet, I. I'm not ready to say Booker's not playing because it's L.A. and he's going to try. Doesn't mean he's going to play, but he's going to try. But with the rest of the team being in that stage and having Kevin Durant, my belief in how bad Anthony Davis really is, uh, I I still think the, 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 the Suns win. I'm not even using the five and a half points, okay, which I probably should. Okay, I've just talked myself out of it. I'm doing <laughs> – 
I'm doing Suns plus the five and a half. Why not take it when it's being given to me? I realize the juice is different. I think it's around minus 140 versus plus 180, depending on if you take the juice or if you take the, the spread. But I'll take the five and a half. So I'm going to take Suns plus the five and a half against the Lakers. Buffalo minus nine against Tampa Bay. So you've got home. You've got cold weather in Buffalo, not ice or anything, but it's cold. On a short week, you're leaving sunny Tampa Bay, going up to Buffalo. That's not that easy of a trip. And taking on a team that's coming off that bad loss to the Patriots. There's, I mean, the Bills are going to want blood. I think minus nine is easy. I love Buffalo at home covering the spread. And then, uh, not a back-to-back, but the Boston Bruins are so much better than Anaheim. I just don't see, like, you might have a letdown game against a weak Anaheim team, but with the way the Bruins are playing, you're not going to want to end any streaks against Anaheim. You're actually going to be up for a down team. So I love them covering the one-and-a-half puck line. And the juice isn't that bad. It's uh, minus 122. It goes all the way up to minus 325 if you're taking the Bruins on the money line. So that, to me, is a take them covering. I I like a nice 4-to-1 comfortable win against Anaheim tonight for Boston. So I'm even going to put that in parentheses so I remember that I picked 4-to-1. So those are my three games the Boston Bruins and the Buffalo Bills covering the spread and the Suns with the five and a half beating the Lakers, maybe even beating the Lakers outright. I actually believe that's going to happen, but I kind of feel like take the points when you when you, when you you get it handed and you don't know whether or not Booker's playing. That does it for today's version of Doug Franz Unplugged presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Please don't forget two really important things. Number one, these are the last two days you're going to be able to watch Doug Franz Unplugged, uh, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club and Wild Horse Pass. The main event was Steve McCollum and Dale Hillestray. Izzy on Sports, iOS. Last time you're going to be able to watch them, these last two days, on demand for free. So you need the magic code and put that in so it just become a basic person and say, okay, for basic, use Unplugged Upgrade, and now you get to still watch On Demand for free. But that's me kind of giving you the honor system of what I've told you. If you want to help us grow and be where we want to get to, I would love for you to jump up to the live version and join us live. And we're going to take that money, that little upgrade in charge that you're going to pay to be a live member and still watch six hours of local sports programming that nobody else is doing in the Valley. Nobody else has six hours of live sports programming every single weekday morning. Join us in this journey, and we're going to take that money and expand. We're going to take the money that you're giving us, hire more producers, keep this thing growing, keep it moving forward. I don't want to make this sound like a telethon. It's your money. You choose what you want to do. But that's what we're doing, and we'd like you to join us. And then, coming up in November, an amazing prize package of a foursome to whirlwind golf club at Wild Horse Pass, three wedges, and lunch at Sibling. You can win that if you become a premier member, okay? That's all on the docket for you coming up in the month of November. So please get involved in this journey. The official sports bar of Doug Franz Unplugged is Rosati's on the east side at Chandler. They're located at Ray and McQueen. There's Rosati's all across Phoenix, but only that one is supporting of the Unplugged Army. 
Bell's Nashville Kitchen has the best sandwich in all of Arizona, the Nashville Hot Chicken Sandwich. They're located in Scottsdale in Old Town, just off of uh, Main Street, or they're on Main Street, just off of Scottsdale Road. And Burrito Express, seven locations across the east side. Delicious, and they're running an amazing special for the World Series. Go into Burrito Express and ask about the World Series special. And then my dear friends, Paul and Tricia, uh, Parker and Sons, heating, cooling, plumbing, and electrical. I had a great time last night. I love your family. And Paul and uh, Justine being one of the first people to call me after I got let go and say we're with you all the way no matter what happens. It was great to talk to you guys last night and just... And also, of course, thanks for the beer. You know, that's uh, that's what matters the most. And Sweet Lou at Whirlwind, if you don't know this, I talked to my dear friend Josh uh, last night at a retirement party and said, hey, we're golfing at Whirlwind together. So we're coming. We're coming, Sweet Lou. If you get a chance today, go to UnpluggedAtWhirlwind.com. UnpluggedAtWhirlwind.com. Look at that Whirlwind Plus plan. Sign up for it, and I guarantee you it's worth it. I was just talking to a friend of mine that owns a different bar in Chandler. When I told him about how amazing Whirlwind Plus is, he goes, what? I get Wait, I get all of that for $2.99? I said, yeah. He goes, I'm in. I'm in. So I'm out there, I'm out there selling Whirlwind Plus because I think it's that worth it. All right, coming up next is the main event. Steve McCollum, Dale Hellestray will be with you from 8 to 10 talking Suns, Lakers, talking football, talking a little World Series. And for me, I got to thank Jeff Weir Production for holding my hand today. Jeff, you were outstanding. Thanks for getting everything I needed. I'll see you tomorrow.